Good morning, everyone. Um, so for those that weren't here last week, and even if you were here last week and maybe you just forgot, um, last week Uncle Brent spoke about our first love, meaning Jesus. Jesus, our first love. Well, Jesus should be our first love, and sometimes he isn't. And it all came from, I'm going to try to recap it quickly, it came from that, that scripture in Revelations where Jesus is writing to this church and he's commending them, he's thanking them, he's saying, hey, I see all the, all the good things you've done, I see how faithful you are as a church, I see how hard you're working as a church, and he compliments and compliments, but then he lands saying, I have, I have this one complaint against you though, you just don't love me like you did at first, and you don't love each other like you did at first, and one of the questions that was asked last week was, if, if you wanted to like go out to destroy a church or destroy this church, how would you do it? Would you send load shedding during worship every week to mess up the worship? Would you send COVID? Would you send... Per- like, what would you do? And kind of the conclusion was, well, you don't do any of that. All you do is you get the leaders and you get the church to get so good or so busy at doing church that they forget to love Jesus and they fall out of love and suddenly we forget the whole point of church. And so I'm sharing this again because... I kind of want to carry on from last week, and instead of talking about our first love, which is Jesus, I want to talk about our second love, which is each other. And I know second love is probably the worst title, but, but I'm homeschooled and it's all I have. Um, and, and the reason I want to talk about this is it's so scary how easy it is to get good at church. It's so, it's so scary how well we can probably do church without Jesus' help. And we can keep going on and on thinking we're doing what he commends us for, working hard, being faithful, building churches, but yet not even love each other or not even love Jesus. And so why I want to talk about this this morning is, well, one, again, just to recap a bit of last week again, that, that greatest commandment Jesus gave us to love him, the second commandment Jesus says is actually just as important. Just as important it is to love Jesus, Jesus is saying it's that important that you love one another. In Mark 12, it says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. I think the second reason why I think this is so important is I think loving people is such a simple way to clarify all the blurry lines on what is wrong and what is right and how we should live, and what the point of Christianity is. In Romans 13, it says, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you'll fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of of God's law. I think the last reason I wanted to share this, and it's probably the, the real reason, is I had a moment a while ago, and I don't know what to call it, but like one of those your moments, like a, a penny dropping, convicting moment in your gut, where I realized I just don't think I love people enough. I thought, and, and I'm not saying this is the one, but, but, but yes, some of the examples. Now, some of you might not know, but I'm actually quite a shy person, and because, especially when I was younger, I was super insecure and I was super shy, 
And I knew how horrible it felt to even sometimes stand in a church filled with a bunch of people and just feel so awkward. Like, like coming to youth was probably the worst part of my Friday night. That's how awkward it was being around people. And because I went through that, I can clearly see when someone else is out of place. And my heart breaks because I can just imagine what they're feeling and how awkward they are and how shy they are to try to talk. But because I'm still shy, I thought, you know, the problem why I don't go greet new people or why I don't care for those people is, no, actually, I'm shy. Is, is being shy the problem? Was it that I just don't love them enough to put my fear aside to actually make them feel welcome? Sometimes I have friends who, who I know we probably need to have a conversation about some stuff that, that's not on, but, but I'm scared like I come across rude or I'm scared like I offend them. I'm like, am I actually worried about offending them or do I just not love them enough to not care what they think about me for the sake of I know they need to hear this? So is love not really the problem? Is, is not knowing how to show enough respect or honor to people really the problem? Or is it that I just don't love or care for people enough? And all those things are inconvenient and they're uncomfortable. So I find I kind of substitute loving people for, I don't know, something else that sounds good, that's more convenient. And again, maybe it's not you, maybe it's just me, but this verse scares me when I think, I think I'm doing church well, but in Revelations 2, that scripture again, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. And again, you might not relate to the story at all, but I remember growing up, being at home with my mom, and I don't know, maybe something like you run out of bread at home, so you decide you're going to go to the shop. So you're at the shop, and while you're there, you might as well get some other stuff to make it worth your trip. So you get some washing powder, you get some groceries, and you come home with all the bags, you get to the kitchen, you unpack everything, and you want to saw me. You're like, oh, snap. I got everything other than the bread that I drove there for. And maybe you're more organized than us, and you have a list, and you don't forget the bread. But maybe that story is relatable when it comes to loving people. Maybe... Maybe doing everything else other than the point, which is to actually just love people. 1 Corinthians says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. If we're good at any part of Christianity, but loving people and loving Jesus isn't the main thing, it's, again, you're like us, unorganized. You go into the shop, you're filling your trolley with everything other than the thing you need. We're filling church with so much good works other than the one that the church needs, and that's a community that loves one another. And past, I don't know, a few days, I was trying to ask myself a few questions, and just reading those commandments, I was trying to ask myself, okay, why does God want us to love people? Why is that the most important thing? And... I don't know if it's the reason, but it just seems like throughout Scripture, the pattern of every Bible story is God always wants to use people to do what he wants to do. There's there's always a person on earth involved. And in John 13, it says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another 
will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Again, but why? Okay, so our love is going to prove to people that we're Jesus' disciples, but what does that mean? Why is that important? Well, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Jesus didn't love the trees and the dolphins and the stars and he wanted to fit. No, because God loved the people, he sent Jesus. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's, it's love that sent God, that sent Jesus to die. It's love that causes people to be saved, to be freed, and to be healed. And, and how can we tell people this is the kind of love that God has for you when I don't show it? How can I tell people God genuinely loves you when the God I serve loves you, but yet I don't reflect that revelation towards the people around me? And then again, I'm going to push pause for a moment. I'm going to come back. I've been trying to ask the church for a while to do a new preaching series. They've said no, but I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep hinting. A preaching series, maybe we spend like eight weeks trying to preach through some different topics on the same theme. And if I had my way, I'd love to spend like a couple of weeks preaching with, with the title, What Does That Even Mean? Literally, I want the title to be, What Does That Even Mean? Where we spend a couple of weeks just talking about all the cheesy things as Christians say without ever knowing what it actually means. And again, maybe it's just you, but, but I had a moment a while ago where, you know, there's that thing we sometimes say, you know, like if you want to come to the front and give your life to Jesus, and you're like, oh yeah, that, that sounds cool. Like, what does that even mean? To give your life to Jesus. Like, what does that mean? Like, just... What you need to do is build your life on God's work. Okay, cool. On Monday morning, how do I build my life? Like, what does that, what does that mean? And again, maybe it's just for me, homeschool people, but I thought the same thing about love. It's easy to say, love your neighbor, love people, love God. What does it even mean to, to love people? And I spent a lot of time trying to think about what does that mean, and I came up with no clever sentences, except... I knew what I didn't want to communicate about love. I knew what love isn't in regards to these scriptures. And again, I don't want to offend anyone, but the love I'm talking about this morning is not the being friendly kind of love. I I don't think the love Jesus is talking about here is that I'm really friendly to people. That's not what I'm talking about. Love is definitely not saying I love you. Again, I may be wrong, but nowhere in scripture have I once read Jesus say he loves me. I read that because he loves me, he sent Jesus and he did something about it. There's an action to God's love. The love I'm talking about is not, hey, when you leave church now, please go greet the people at the robots. That's cool, and if you love people, that should happen, but that's not the point of what I'm trying to say. I even want to go as far as to say, the love Jesus is talking about here isn't a go on an outreach. I'm sure if you love people, naturally you should end up on an outreach. But you can also go on an outreach and just not love people. So that's not the point of what I'm saying. Instead, there's a scripture I want to read that's not my opinion. But after that, that commandment, love, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, the, the, the people asking Jesus, the crowds were asking, okay, but, but how, but, but why, explain this. And then a few verses later, Jesus reads this in Luke 10. Now, I really don't like being cheesy, and I don't like weird stuff, but I'm, I'm going to maybe be weird, and, I, and, and I'm going to read the scripture, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and I'll tell you why, is I don't think this was a real story. I think Jesus made up a picture that he was trying to use to communicate something, and I'm not a great storyteller, so I need you to use your own imagination 
to picture this. So you don't have to, but if you're comfortable, just close your eyes for one minute and just picture this as we read. Luke 10. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and left him half dead beside the road. Just by chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he quickly crossed to the other side of the road and just passed him by. A temple assistant uh, walked over and again looked at him lying there, but also just walked around, passed by the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and Samaritans and Jews don't get along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. You can open your eyes. And, and again, that's the, that's the summary Jesus used to try and explain what this commandment was, to, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I, I just spent time looking through that, and just a few things stand out that I want to use as, this is what love actually is. And the first thing that stood out is, is, is love allows interruptions. I'm sure that Samaritan was probably also on his way to pick up kids from the school or go fetch his washing or on his way to a business meeting. But because of love, he was able to be interrupted. Um, This is probably the biggest one for me is, is love sees people others don't and that others avoid. Other people saw that guy, but but love sees the people, other people, that, that other people push to the side. Another big one for me is, is love does what others won't do. They don't make excuses. Love takes ownership of what it sees. Whether, whether it's a need, whether it's comfort that's needed, whether it's a friend that's needed, whether it's a hand or just, just being present in a moment, or whether it's being present for a season, love doesn't say that's someone else's job. Because I'm pretty certain it was definitely more of the priest or the temple worker's job to look after that man than a Samaritan. But yet love takes ownership. Love crosses boundaries. It's not limited to its own clique, to its own race, or its own responsibility. Love costs. It might cost you time, it might cost you money, it might cost you energy. Love costs. Love is a sacrifice. And love is definitely inconvenient and just the start of that story talks about a priest and that that temple worker and now at least my understanding what many people believe is a a priest can't really go to to a sick man that's bleeding because well they become unclean and they won't be able to do their their priestly job whatever that is in the temple and the same thing with the temple worker he wouldn't be able to go in the temple if he was unclean and so the people whose very purpose in life was to serve God were too busy trying to serve God and do churchy things that they didn't want to be distracted by looking after the people where God placed them. And again, maybe, maybe this is just me and I'm embarrassing myself and you don't face this, but I remember driving to church the other day and I saw a car broken down on the side of the road and I didn't stop to help them because I was busy. I was on my way to church. That's, 
I remember probably six months ago, I saw a little trail of blood by my complex. And I followed it to my neighbor's door and I wanted to go check, like, are they all right? And I saw I was late for worship practice, so I left. And I came to worship practice instead. And now, I don't know, maybe that's just me, but how many other times do we, do we ignore the very thing that we are supposed to do and replace it with, no, but, but I'm going to church, but I'm worshiping, but I'm in a serving team. Are we loving people even when it's inconvenient? James 2 verse 14. I love James. He's such a cool guy. He says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, Goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? But Jesus loved it and say he, he did something. He came down, he crossed the boundary, and he got involved. John fifteen thirteen, Jesus replying again, saying what is love. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Love is literally letting your life die, letting your life down for the sake of someone else's benefit. And one of the things that stood out to me this week is I'm convinced Jesus loves you, but I don't think it was just his love for you that led him to die on the cross. I think it was God's love for you that led Jesus to die on the cross. And what I mean is there might be times where you you don't have any feelings of love towards that person, but but God's not saying love because you feel like you love them. He's saying I'm commanding you to love them because I love them. Let his love for them be the reason we love. And, and, and I don't want to make light of today's topic by trying to give you some, some practical tips on how to love people, be friendly, because that's going to defeat the point. But there were a few just practical things I wanted to mention. If you're like, okay, now what? Like, like, what do I do when I wake up tomorrow morning? And I'm not saying this is the list. I just, these are the, these are the big things that stood out to me that sound basic, but I feel they, they're really profound if we catch God's heart behind them. I think the first thing that I think we can get so much better at as Christians, it's going to be profound, is greet people. And, and when I say greet people, I don't mean a friendly handshake. I mean the biblical kind of greeting that's inspired by God because God says he knows everyone. And if we want to love people so they can experience God's love, when we notice people, how much, how much value do you add to someone by genuinely noticing the people, and not just people that you like, the people that no one else likes, the people that no one else is willing to notice. When we love and notice those people, we're showing them God's heart. God's saying, I see you, I know your name. I think, I know it's inconvenient to be interrupted. Imagine we built a culture of, of in all of our lives, we planned for interruptions. We left some space in our day. We expected at some point today someone's going to be interrupted and I'm ready to give them the time to show them, hey, you're worth the time of my day. About just, just measuring for yourself, how consistent are you in your love? I'm still not going to pretend. It's pretty obvious that sometimes we're still way more loving or way more comfortable in our cliques, in our race groups, even in our finance people similar to us groups. But, but when Jesus died, 
There was no more slave or free, rich, poor, male, female, Jews. But Jesus broke that. We are all equal. Imagine we conveyed a love that was completely consistent across the city. Where there, where there were no, imagine we got to show the city that kind of love that Jesus died for. For some, maybe it's letting, letting I don't know, whether it's comfort or pride die in your heart so you can go have those difficult conversations. Not worrying what you look like. But knowing for that person's sake, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to love them whether they want to be loved or not. Um, and I really debated long whether I should add this because I don't think it's biblical, but the thought hasn't left me the whole weekend. Again, take it or leave it. I just, I just want to risk saying it. For some of you, I just feel you need to just practice covering the bill for people. I don't know why I'm saying that, but I just... Practice covering the bull for people. I don't know. Take it or leave it. And so just, just, just last two things. I was thinking, okay, so if none of what I said today is probably new to you. So I was thinking, what, what, what is stopping us then from being a church that just Jesus will say, hey, what I commend you for is your love for people. That's the one thing you're good at. There's just two scriptures that say one. Love is laying down your life. And I just, I just don't know. If all of us, when we came to meet Jesus, truly, the Bible says when you give your life to God, you like that picture of baptism. You, you're buried with him and then you're raised with him. You, your wants, your desires, your, all of that's supposed to die in baptism. And you, and you raise up with Christ and he gives you new life. And I was just thinking, has everything actually died when I met Jesus? Or am I still holding on to my own comfort, my own fears, my own opinions, my own version of what's right and what people deserve and what they don't? Or have I truly surrendered everything to Jesus and I'm doing what he does and saying what he says? So maybe there's something in your heart that has, maybe there's, maybe there's an offense that hasn't died and you're not willing to let that go. 1 John 4 says, we love each other because he loved us first. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God when we cannot see? And if he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. I remember a while ago, I really, really struggled to forgive someone. And while this was going on, I kept... I don't know, I kept needing to ask God to forgive me for a whole bunch of stuff. Till finally one day it clicked. Yo, how, can, how can I not forgive this person for one thing that happened six months ago, but yet every day God's got fresh mercy for me? Have I, have I clicked how gracious and how merciful God is? Like, I cannot help but just forgive this person. It's the only thing that makes sense. And I think if, if you have an experience, if you don't know that God loves you and the amount he loves you, I don't know if we're ever going to nail being able to love people. And if maybe today, maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus. Maybe you don't love people and maybe you don't love Jesus. The same love I've been speaking about, how we should love people, that's the love Jesus has for you. God in heaven sees you and he knows you and he pays attention to you and he notices you. That, that, that same Jesus, he crossed the greatest boundary of sin ever. Jesus was that high priest who couldn't come near sin, couldn't come near against us, but yet he came anyway because he loved us. Not to say I love you, but because there was a need and he met the need you had. Jesus took ownership of sin in your life that wasn't his problem. 
it was your sin, you had to deal with it, someone else needs to fix it, but Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm going to come and do what everyone else is avoiding, and I'm going to deal with it. Most importantly, this, this, this love really cost God. It cost him the life of his son. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for you. And if maybe, if maybe you don't love people, maybe, maybe you need to get to know Jesus a bit more. Really spend time seeing what he's done for you. Or maybe, maybe you, just, you just need to know today how much Jesus actually loves you. So I just want to pray. Father, God, I pray, let us not be so distracted with becoming good Christians that we fall out of love with you and then we don't love your people, Lord God. Lord God, remind us of how much you care and how much you love us. And I pray that as we get overwhelmed with your love, that naturally that would express to other people, Father God. I pray that, that, that the thing that would make you known in the city, seeing a bunch of believers that genuinely love you and express that love by caring for one another, filling needs, not surface level, happy, clappy love, but genuine, this cost me, but I love you so much. I'm going to do what God says. In Jesus' name, lead us, Lord. Amen. Amen. Sure. Well done, Chad. Eh? Sure, that's a, a great message. I'm sure you'll all agree. And uh, won't you stand to your feet, please? I, um, as Chad was, was busy sharing this morning, I was just reminded of that scripture in 1 John. And I wonder if you could close your eyes just for a moment. Not to detract or anything, but rather just to add what Chad was saying. And uh, read a bit of scripture this morning. It says, Dear friends, and this is John speaking, it says, Dear friends, Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. If anyone uh, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not what we love, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. And this is my prayer, Heavenly Father, as we stand before you this morning that we would gain a greater revelation of your love for us. Maybe we haven't experienced it, Lord. Maybe some of us here haven't had that opportunity to experience the amount of love that you have for each and every one of us. Father, will you come and reveal that to us? Maybe we have, I pray, for a double portion of your love this morning. I pray for a compassion for your people. Father, we know that it's easy to love your people, or it's easy, um, or it's impossible to, to love you and not love your people. May we gain a greater revelation of your love this morning. Maybe you haven't experienced the love of God this morning. And just as Chad was praying, that, that we wanna, we'd love to pray for you this morning. We'd love to, uh, Jesus invites us into a relationship with him. Revelation says, here I stand and knock. 
to the one who opens, I will come in and I will dine with him. Maybe this morning is your opportunity to allow Jesus into your life so that you can experience his love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace upon our lives. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. God's people say? Amen. Amen. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, church. Please don't rush off. Enjoy a cup of coffee. Tiles and offering boxes are at the back if you would like to make use of that. Otherwise, we'll catch you outside for a cup of coffee.